1: happy monday to you folks welcome to the multimedia cafe my name is jason spies thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the multimedia cafe a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about well we've got an interesting program in store for you we're kind of riding the fine line if you will of course here at the multimedia program we wear like a badge of honor that we're a non-political program we create non-political discourse Sure, we might get into a topic of politics from time to time, but that's generally cited as an example or something to transition the conversation forward because we don't like to use bombastic language and over the top uh, sensationalized words. You know, we kind of want to be your eyes and ears and give you a hand in life. We want to be able to help you out and, you know, make some decisions because people are busy in today's world. It's a busy, busy world out there, and we try to give you exclusive interviews. And some unique topics here at the Multimedia Cafe to help guide your life, if you will. And today we're gonna talk about environmentalism hitting the presidential race. Okay, where we're going with this is on our program over the years, we've we've talked about this rise of environmentalism. Now it's not a bad thing in terms of to be more conscious of the environment and saving the planet and etc. But the extremism within the extremism has gotten out of control all the way now to where this is no lie. You have two presidential candidates that are talking about banning drilling in their platform. That's, that is absolutely crazy. That's like dragon legis- legislation from the presidential candidate that wears the Merlin hat. You know, they always have about a dozen fringe people that that's where this falls into Um and it's sad that it's turned into political now to where people are now behind it as a, like a football team, you know, like like in their mind, oh, it really doesn't matter when, no, this is this is kind of a big deal. Um, when you start banning these types of things, you have immediate ripples, immediate ripples that I don't think the average person's even prepared for. So it's, it's a little bit concerning that this uh, narrative of we have to ban drilling is reach the presidential platform. I mean, I love the Earth's champion. I was talking to him the other day, and he said he is gonna go out after these presidential candidates and start with straws. Like, why can't we just start with straws? And um, rather than just ban drilling, so it's gonna be a fun fun summer to uh, follow that side of things. But anyway, uh, Terry Edom is today's guest, and he's written a book called The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity. So he's a perfect guest to talk about this in terms of what's going on there at that national level, at the federal level, when you've got two two presidential candidates who are, I would call, the leads, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. They've got to be the leads right now. I guess Joe Biden just announced, so he would be uh, one of the top contenders, too, if not the top contender. Depends on. Who knows? I mean, look at what Bernie Sanders did when Hillary thought she had it wrapped up. Anyway. Edom comments on the validity of the statement, which is uh, whether banning drilling is a crazy idea or not. So, uh, Terry Edom, energy writer and author. He writes for the BOE Report. He's also the author of the book, The End of the Fossil Fuels Insanity. Okay, that's coming up right now, actually. Let's get right into it. This is uh, Terry Edom.
2: Hi, this is Terry Edom, writer for the BOE Report and Public Energy Number 1.
1: Also, the author of the end of the fossil fuel insanity. So, how's the book sales? How's the book uh, treating you these days?
2: Book is okay. I think it's kind of hard to tell because sales are only online. So um, I get a report back. It sold six hundred copies through March. Which I don't know if that's good or bad, but
1: um, yeah, start. Hey, it's better than five hundred. Better than three hundred. You know, (laughs) I mean, it's something. You know. It's something,
2: and uh, it's one of those things, like you, you mentioned, it's hard writing about fossil fuels, and it's hard to get anybody's attention about a book about fossil fuels. It doesn't really compete with Kardashians or anything else. So um, uh, so it takes a bit of effort for word of mouth to, to get around, I think, and then hopefully it engages with the public. It seems to be so far there's a lot of good reviews, and people have really enjoyed it so far, so I'm just hoping that it'll keep spreading.
1: So I wanted to ask you, because you and I have had some conversations about these, just the rise of environmentalism, how it's gotten to like a religious status for a lot of people. It's gotten to uh, a polarizing extreme places to where the narrative, like we said in our previous interview, just like a month ago, that the narrative seems to be to get rid of fossil fuels or to end drilling. And now, flash forward a month ahead of time here and to current day, and we've got two presidential candidates, uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, who I would call front runners of their party, uh, talking about banning drilling. And that's where we're at now, to where you and I a month ago were just pontificating about this narrative switch. Now, a month later, Colorado signs into law some major restrictions on what people are calling about over half of banning of the industry. And now you got two presidential candidates talking about banning drilling. And just two days ago, the governor, or whenever the 16th, when he signed the bill, said war on oil and gas, actually uttered the words war on oil and gas. What's going on, man? I mean, what, what's what what happened in thirty days that um, you know it, it it ramped up quick? Is what I'm saying.
2: It's, it's it's astonishing that the whole trajectory of the world is changing in in this time frame. It's like you're saying. I read a, a FERC uh, allowed um, the expansion of or the creation of several LNG export facilities on the gulf coast and and part of their criteria the thing they were concerned about in future was the impact of climate change of allowing any more of these facilities and this is natural gas we're talking about now so and six months ago that was unheard of so you're right it's just changing at warp speed and i I think the this narrative it's like a mania to me or religion like you said that's just gripped the world and it's just a a self-feeding thing now you have people in europe groups Um, Extinction Rebellion, this group I read about That's just sitting down in the middle of the street And blocking the streets off And it's just, uh, it's accelerated like nothing I've ever seen
1: So I haven't really followed the presidential campaign Which I probably Mm -hmm. won't uh, being a non-political program, that's one. Of, that's one of the beauties that we can have. We tried to do politics mm-hmm. for a little bit. We sent an intern in, and a half hour later, from watching all this, the twenty-four hour news shows, he came back a ninety-year-old man. So we we, we decided, not, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, it just sucked the life right out <laughs> it like of him. Like
2: a baby. Yeah, uh, <laughs>
1: it would. Are Are Bernie Sanders or um, Elizabeth Warren even saying what the solution would be, or are they just finger pointing? Saying you know, let's just ban it. Do, do you know? Because I I haven't seen any solutions or heard of any solutions. Well, I think
2: that's the the key turning point for us as an industry is that is you you're onto something. There is that they have no solutions. I think they're just ref, trying to reflect this wave of opinion that's just taking over. You have everyone talking about climate change; it's everywhere and uh, and. But it's it's just gone too far, too fast, and there's nothing that can be done about it in the short term. And we saw that up in Canada here. We've had a couple of governments that got put in place that were green, greenish, or green leaning, anyways. And um, their tone changes once they get in power. We had that in Alberta here. That once once you actually have to run the show, then then and someone hands you the keys and says, "Okay, you want it to go green? Well, make it happen." And then when they actually have to deal with that and realize, "Oh, well, do I want to?" Wipe out existing industries? Do I want to rewire the country at an unknown cost?
1: Mr. Terry Edom, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. I need to take a quick pause. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Terry Edom, BOE reporter, as well as the author of The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity, which is available at Amazon.com. My name is Jason Spies, and you're listening to the Multimedia Cafe.
3: Ain't about whiskey sipping, guitar picking, tractors, trailers, trucks, or prison, man, it ain't a country song. I'd like them real cool old-school barstool jams about drinking, lying, laughter, and love. So if your feet ain't stomping, once a band starts to rockin', brother, it ain't country enough. Yeah, if your feet ain't jumping once the
4: band starts rocking.
0: Jason Spees, the most trusted voice in the Bakken.
4: I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies.
5: Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online.
4: Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a
5: multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery.
1: Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Terry Edom, a reporter for the BOE Report and the author of The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity. Wipe out
2: existing industries. Do I want to rewire the country at an unknown cost? Uh, When they're faced with those actual challenges, then they kind of slink back away from from the claims that they're making, which is I suspect what's happening with your candidates here. They're trying to make political hay by, by talking the talk that is all part of the news narrative right now. And it, it's everywhere, like climate change, obviously the discussion is, every discussion hinges on climate change now, it's become a joke almost about everything you see that has a negative impact is climate change. And excuse me, they're just riding that wave, so I could see why they're doing it. Uh, when push comes to shove, if they ever get in your power, I don't think that they would stand by it.
1: Where's the media? You know, you and I work in the media. Um, I'm, I'm in the third world of media. So, I mean, there's, there they're in, you know, any, I'm fine. I got my niche. I'm, I'm very happy. I found my place in the media. Um, but you know, we're not, we're not Fox news. We're not MSNBC. We're not CNN. We're not NBC, CBS, Viacom, whatever you name it. We're not one of the big guys. How are they allowing this um, narrative to even be there? I mean, I I said this in my last interview that, you know, every year you got some crazy presidential candidates, you know, maybe the guy that wears a Merlin hat and he wants to, you know, legislate dragons. To me, that's almost as sane as trying to ban oil and gas. I mean, that is how crazy that statement is, that it should be in there with dragon legislation. How come the media isn't, How are they allowing this? you know what I mean? Is it just kind of, is it really the Kardashians keeping up with the Joneses that kind of dictates everything or what? I'm just astounded. I'm just astounded.
2: Well, I'm astonished too. And it's a bit through um, for any of your your audience old enough to remember the dot-com boom or the housing boom. Um, And it just seems to be these manias where they just lose any, their feet leave the ground and they just start floating in the wind with the, the tide of opinion. I remember in the housing boom in the US reading these articles from um, websites which were running counter to the narrative, and they were saying, like, this is insane, like, you can't be giving mortgages to people with no jobs and no income, and it was happening before everyone's eyes, and, and, and a few people who, and we feel like that now, I think, looking in at this madness going, "This you can't be serious about this, but it happened, and then it blew up. Ine- inevitably, these things blow up, and it was the same with the dot-com boom. and in the late nineties when when kids, fifteen year old kids would start a website and sell it for two million bucks and that this is happening all over and this is the new age and then it just kinda of blew up. And this is gonna blow up too because like you say it's it's just not feasible. You can't you can't replace fossil fuels in any time frame. You can want to and you can start working towards it and you can promote energy efficiency measures and whatnot, but the the pace that this has just picked up is just I, I think it's just media's kind of lost its mind they're just going with the flow which is being pushed by the the people behind it there's they claim to have like a hundred thousand scientists that have signed on they've they've captured the market on any kind of academic studies and um, they, they just they're pushing out this material at an outrageous pace there's this really funny uh, Twitter feed that got sent around last week um, some wise guy on Twitter or woman I think it is she compiled a a list of headlines from around the world about all the places that claim to be warming faster than the global average and it's almost every region on earth every every country claims to be warming anywhere from two to ten times faster than than the global average and it's just this page after page of these headlines and it just makes you laugh after a while and and then some climate scientists jumped in and said oh well that's of course countries warm faster, land warms faster than the ocean, so that explains it. And then this this wise guy on Twitter put up a bunch of more headlines that said, well, the Pacific Ocean is warming 15 times faster than previously thought, and the Indian Ocean and all of these oceans. So if you step back and you look at the, if you add up, if you have the time, and you can analyze this media narrative, it's just completely gone bonkers. But people are buying into it because they think it gets votes, so.
1: It's just, it's amazing that uh, the media allows it like I said to me the when you take a step back and listen to somebody utter the sentence we're gonna ban drilling that is as crazy as dragon legislation it is just
2: it is sir. it is I mean I,
1: I I feel stupid saying it I actually feel like I'm I'm being judged for saying such a ridiculous comment because I I, I just when I heard that I actually stopped and just stared and went, well, I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> no,
2: it, it is too absurd for words, and, and part of the problem circles back to what you said earlier about you want to be non-political or apolitical, which is a, a wise move. Um, but people keep wanting to make this energy thing political, so they they, they haul politics into it, and they've tied fossil fuels to certain um, agenda. In the political sphere and even the united nations has done this they said like climate change is a fight against global poverty and social welfare around the world so so they're they're making it political and and that's why you get people that know nothing about energy who are saying we have to shut down drilling and and but they're not responsible for it and you can say anything you want you can say let's go solve world hunger next week and that's a great idea but how are you going to do it and that's why no one says that because it can't happen but for some reason these people still believe that they can say that and it, that the media just keeps reinforcing it because you read stories about how wind and solar have taken over and they're dominating, they're not even close they're like uh, several percentage of the load and it's just when conditions are right that they are useful and most of the time they're not useful so but but the media narrative would lead you to believe otherwise. Um, I just did a Google search for an article I was reading or writing, and um, if you Google search uh, wind energy you come up with like 500 million hits and solar energy is like 600 million fossil fuels is 80 million so so those wind and solar are, are like five times the coverage in the media yeah. even though they're like one fraction it's it's inverted the attention that they're getting relative to what they contribute and, and it, it just goes it's a it's across the world like you say the infrastructure that's in place for for petroleum especially but fossil fuels also like how, how do you go about rewiring that and we've talked about this before it just it can't be done by any logical person. If you ask an engineer how you would do it, you, you just get a blank stare too. It's like talking about dragons. Just like you're mentioning.
1: That's what I'm saying. I just, I, it's, it's so obviously insane that it's mm-hmm. remarkable that it's allowed. I mean, listen, I've, I've got reprimanded in the media for a lot less. I mean, for, for, for statements that were a lot, you know, truer basically, and. Um, to just to think of that is, is mind boggling to me. Uh, the other thing that happened in the last 30 days is, um, we put in an order for a belt. We are going to do the earth's champion and we're going to go around with this belt. Excellent. Talking about how the oil and gas industry is saving the planet, how they are the leaders when it comes to saving the planet. I mean, from the rig mats to the engineering, all kinds of different things, They're one you know, and and hopefully, other people will come up and say, No, we're doing this too, we're doing this too. But the oil and gas industry is really investing a lot of money into making the planet cleaner. And they're it's almost like the more they invest, the more extreme the other side gets. That's so weird to me, yeah.
2: And there's no no thanks for it, too. There's uh, up here in Canada, as you're sure, if you're your listeners are familiar with it, but we can't get oil out of Alberta, out of Western Canada, because all of the big new pipeline developments have been blocked. And when we had a government come in four years ago, they were a semi-socialist government, but even they understood when they got to power that we need to get pipelines built. And so they, they, they said to the rest of the country, they said, okay, we will do what you want. We will put on a carbon tax in this province we will um, put a cap on emissions from the oil sands, which are the biggest producing region up here. So we will do what you want. We will reduce, we swear that we're gonna reduce greenhouse gas emissions. We just need a pipeline or two to get our product to market. So those policies got implemented, the taxes got implemented, the cap got implemented, and no pipelines.
1: Mr. Terry Edom, I'm gonna ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. I need to take a quick pause when we come back. We're gonna continue the conversation with Terry Edom, BOE reporter, as well as the author of The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity, which is available at Amazon.com. My name is Jason Spies, and you're listening to the Multimedia Cafe.
5: Welcome
1: back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Terry Edom, a reporter for the BOE Report and the author of The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity.
2: So those policies got implemented, the taxes got implemented, the cap got implemented, and no pipelines. Because it's like you say, they just pulled the rug out from everybody, um, under everybody's feet, and it doesn't matter what you say or do; you're still doomed for for standing behind fossil fuels. And you're called a denier now for standing behind fossil fuels, and and part of this is the industry's fault. Because we have to turn around and say, you know, the obvious obvious fact that seven billion people are alive on Earth right now because of fossil fuels, and for no other reason. And if you want to take away fossil fuels, you have to decide which four-fifths of that population has to go. So you pick who you want it to be because that's the cost of getting rid of fossils. That's what it's going to be because you simply can't feed and heat these people.
1: I'm going to ask this question to you because I've, I'm I'm reluctant asking this because you know, the earth's champion and I work in the media and you work in the media. So it's a little bit selfish on our part. You hold the belt currently, don't you? I do hold the belt until somebody beats me from it. We're going to debut it at the Bakken barbecue um oh man the last interview i had he goes i want a picture with that belt and i said oh it's already working it's already working uh, oh we're gonna go to high schools everything and um good, good. oh it's yeah it's anyway i i i understand you and i make make our revenue from oil and gas companies uh, supporting through advertising and, and marketing and public relations and everything like that so all you oil companies i'm well aware of where I'm about to take the conversation. I do believe, and we've mentioned this before, um, so i want I want your current take on this. I believe that the narrative has gotten so extreme uh, for the environmentalists, that is a rare opportunity for the oil and gas industry to step up to the plate and do some real public relations, like get creative, to invest some money, to figure out ways to educate on a new level that they've never tried before, because the other side's already crazy. You already got two You got two presidential candidates coming out and saying, well, you got two presidential candidates saying we want to ban drilling. You can't get much right. higher with the craziness than the president. So nope you cannot um and I, I realize the current one as well so um and how how that's funny for some people listening and how i just ticked off other people for pointing that out too um and I, hey I'm a, trump, no, and I, and I I'm a trump and i'm a trump fan it's funny. and i'm a trump fan so um you know i i th- the things he's done for the industry have been very good so what i'm getting at mm-hmm. though is what is your opinion on that you know Now that we've completely overly disclosed the fact this is how we make our living, um, do you think the oil and gas industry should reevaluate their public relations and their marketing and just their money they spent, their, their creativeness behind it? Just talk to me about public relations, the current state of the environmental talk, and how this is a rare time for the industry to actually do something.
2: Yes, it, 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 it is a rare time for them to do it, and it's a crossroads, too, for the industry. And the way that I sliced it in my book or looked at it is that for a long time, the whole industry was used to dealing with um, governments. They weren't used to dealing with the public because governments wanted fossil fuel development, which is another narrative that gets lost here, too. It's governments that have been encouraging fossil fuel development around the world. They've invited companies in, develop these concessions, develop these offshore concessions, Bring wealth to our countries, bring jobs. We need cheap fuel, so that's been going on for a long time. So the industry, especially at the higher levels, has been used to just dealing with governments, and that's one reason that um, Trump, when was a, when elected, he put in Rex Tillerson, the former head of Exxon Mobil, as his Secretary of State because it made total sense. Because Rex Tillerson actually had more experience dealing with global heads of state than Trump did. Absolutely, ironically enough. But that's how the that's how the oil patch worked, and so. So for forever, the energy industry has relied on governments as supportive and partners. And if you wanted something done, you talked to the governments. And um, and so there's just been a lot of inertia and big institutions have built up operating this way. And now that RUG's been pulled out from underneath their feet, too. And so governments don't want to talk to oil companies because they're going talking crazy talk like banning drilling. So, so this is something totally new. Now, you have to turn the aircraft carrier around of all of these. the the big petroleum industry it has to change direction now it has to say okay we can't do that anymore even though we have all of our existing um communications departments are built for that aspect now we have to rethink how we do things we have to get our message out there we have to explain to people and it's not even a a defense of fossil fuels it's just the reality of fossil fuels whether you like them or not and i'm sure there's a lot of people i know in the industry that say yeah we're not going to be on fossil fuels forever that, that there's an end in sight to that 20 30 40 50 years we don't know but the cheap stuff is getting used up and it's just going to get more and more expensive if you look where the development is in the world it's in the US shale basins and then it's pretty much offshore everywhere else it's in pretty remote locations and so it's getting harder and harder to find so at some point we are going to start converting and energy people should be at the forefront of that change because if you want to change The world's energy systems who who should be at the table the first people that should be at the table are the ones that are running it now because they're the ones that are going to have to be charged with transitioning it so to try and sideline them is just as insane as dragon talk like you're saying why would you want to put those people on the side and say we don't want anything to do with you anymore when you're the ones that run the existing infrastructure so it's the the it's an opportunity and it's critical that the oil patch be involved for the energy sector because um, because they know how it works and they know how to change it, rather than just wishing things away like these, this fairy tale talk that we hear from politicians. So I think you're right, it's a great opportunity, but we have to start with communications and we have to get people to understand how they rely on things. They just get more and more removed from it, especially when you live in a big city. You don't think about where your heat comes from or where your fuel comes from or where your food comes from, it's just there, right? You go to the store and there it is, or the gas station. But nobody thinks about where it comes from. So we have to get people thinking about that. Where does it actually come from? And that it's not just pixie dust that's going to change our energy system.
1: Well, that's like the Earth's champion. He wants to go out and let people know that uh, if you want an electric car, well, you better start supporting coal. And if you want, you mm, know, that if, power if, yep. if, if you want an iPhone, yep. well, you better support oil and gas. You know, I mean, if, if you want, yep. if you want food, well, you better support oil and gas. I mean, these are just some really basic things to where it's sad that we live in an age yep. where people need to be reminded about those things. And It, it is. It you is, know, but
2: it. it it's just part of the the media narrative too, where, and and I think it's a bit human nature where you take for granted when something just shows up all the time. You don't really think about it very much, and you don't you don't really appreciate it very much until you have to do without it. And and people aren't used to doing without anything. Like if you look at a power outage now, people are outraged, um, even though they might have to get used to a lot more of them. Um, because yeah. there's the, the, there's this second order things like explaining to people how uh, a rapidly advancing solar industry destabilizes the electrical grid because it's not made for that and and the, the people that have to provide baseload power are the companies that don't want to invest in infrastructure because there's no money in it anymore because the solar companies get all of the revenue um so it's it's we have to get these concepts across to the thing like no these things aren't there's no um uh silver bullet here that's going to solve everything it's we we got to it's, it's it's a long process and everybody has to work together
1: Terry Edom with us, the B O E report. What's the name of your daily website?
2: Public Energy Number
1: One. Public Energy Number One. Uh, what's going yep. on in your in your world in terms of your latest writings? You know, you you write. Uh, how often do you write?
2: Uh, well, I'm I, busier than I should be. I suppose I have a date job to too, and then I write for these websites. I try and get out a post once a week or something okay, on either I, site, so it keeps th- me busy.
1: I figured it was at least once a week, so I, I wanted to say weekly, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I, I didn't know. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, you're like, no, I uh, like a lot of writers nowadays, you know. You, you Sometimes you write four articles a week, and then you might go a week and a half without writing one, and then all of a sudden you're back on it again, and then a magazine will that's it. get in touch with you, and then all of a sudden you it's got a book. <laughs> you know? And, <laughs> yeah,
2: that's right. So, when, when you said that uh, your person got exposed to politics and they came out a 90-year-old man, that's what I feel like some days when I'm exposed to what goes on
5: out there in the world.
1: Mr. Terry Edom, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. I need to take a quick pause. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Terry Edom, BOE reporter, as well as the author of The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity, which is available at Amazon.com. My name is Jason Spees, and you're listening to the Multimedia Cafe.
5: There's
3: always on you.
5: Historic.
1: Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Terry Edom, a reporter for the BOE Report and the author of The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity. When,
2: when you said that uh, your person got exposed to politics and they came out a 90-year-old man, that's what I feel like some days when I'm exposed to what goes on out there in the world of media of messaging for energy so but it, it it is one thing that's interesting is that the tide is changing you mentioned what i'm writing about is that it's you're starting to see cracks in all of this facade that you're talking about where people are um there's an article um or the the mayor of london has had it up to here with um, environmental protesters and he put out a letter so because these people are just blocking up the streets now. They just go sit in the street, yeah. and they're saying we demand action on climate change, and they're they're clogging up the city. So people are starting to get fed up with this stuff, and they're saying, okay, "Enough! We, we, we have a world to run here. You can't just you can't just clog up everything." Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to start happening more and more with these people that, that are blocking everything. And and then it, when it starts having a real impact on people's lives, and, and that's the part that these people don't understand i don't think these, these advocates that are trying to get to stop drilling and whatnot this is going to have an impact on the life of the average citizen and they won't put up with that because they have they're trying to they're trying to live they're not they're trying to feed their kids they're trying to keep their job they're trying to save for a vacation they're trying to save for kids college funds this is reality for people and and to to drive an electric car to try and save the planet is not going to register with people because that's not going to happen. They have a hundred other things to worry about, um, and, and that's got to be down the list. That's just how life works in our modern world. So if you want people to change your behavior, you have to come up with a different way rather than just saying, we're going to stop drilling, because that oil is going to come from somewhere else anyways, which is something else I've been writing about too. That So Shell pulled their money out of Western Canada in the oil sands and then they reinvested it all in Nigeria. So is it, from an environmental perspective, is that what you want? Do you want oil to come from Nigeria, where they have no standard whatsoever and they just flare or vent gas to atmosphere? It, from an environmental perspective, is that a good thing, or do you want it to come from North America, where we watch what happens? You can't get away with stuff as easily here. Yeah, so.
1: get that. Uh, kind of final thoughts here. Terry Eaton with us, BOE Report. Uh, anything we missed? Anything you want to reiterate? Any of your, uh, final thoughts you might have?
2: Uh, just say hang in there everyone in the in the oil patch and keep doing the good work and keep keeping people alive. And don't be afraid to to spread that message. To you know, be be a lot more aggressive about it and stand up for yourself when you're because you're under attack everywhere. I've seen that at dinner parties or in airports or wherever you're at. People are gonna come at you for being in the energy business and just be calm and just try and explain to them where their heat comes from and or their jet fuel on the plane that they're gonna climb on. And that if they really want to do something about climate change, then don't get on that plane because that's your fault, just as much as it every other, every other person in the world. So just, just hang in there.
1: And that was Terry Edom, energy reporter for the BOE Report and author of The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity. Thank you very much for joining today's program. That's going to do it for... Today's Multimedia Cafe will be back tomorrow at this time on this radio station. And for those of you people tuning in on the internet, thank you very much for choosing us as part of your daily content. And for anybody who's downloaded our iTunes podcast or the many other podcast locations that we are available at, thank you very much for choosing us as part of your content. And feel free to leave a good, bad, and the ugly um, what a comment, message, feedback, whatever they have on there, you know, that's a big raider, I guess, you know, and I like to say good, bad or the ugly. Of course, I'd love it if it was positive. But you know what, I don't like to do that to people. I like people to live their life how they want to live their life. And I, if I did something that ticked them off, well, let me know. If I did something that tickled your heart, well, let me know. If I did something that made your soul sore, well, you'd be the first. Thank you very much. Okay, that's going to do it for today's program. From the staff here at... The, oh, wait, I got 30 seconds. Um, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, we have social media accounts, thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab. We're part of the Crude Life Media Network. 350,000 social media followers, crudelife.com, social media. From the staff here at the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Spies asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice.
3: Back to the way. is